0: Take review. I'm your host, Jen Subchakta Bankard, and I'm here with a couple of AI sympathizers. First, he's on standby, not off. It's PT McDiff. How's it going, PT?
1: We don't have robots to be free in the fridge. How about ice cream? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Jen. How are you?
0: <laughs> so, for some reason, that's really weird, squished together, like not in a conversation it as it is in the movie. Um, I'm doing But grateful. I chose
1: it anyway because I, I thought we could just, I, I had to do it.
0: It was a good. It was a good choice. Uh, and he's probably not going to dang dang. It's
2: Greg Cass. How's it going, Greg? Oh, Jen. Then we're the same. We can't go to heaven because you're not good, and I'm not a person. I was really banking on one of you
0: because that's the iconic <laughs> quote from the trailer. <laughs> I was like, someone's someone's got to use that one. We are here today to review the creator, uh, the new science fiction film. I had originally in here new science fiction epic or war epic I had other genre designations and then took them away because I was like well we can just talk about that I guess uh but it's a new film by Gareth Edwards who many know as the director of Rogue One and fewer know as the director of Godzilla uh if you're listening to us for the first time we'll have a spoiler free section designed for those who have not yet had a chance to see the film and then with a very clear alert we've even got music now we will shift to uh, spoiler mode for the rest of the show Uh, But first, we want to do a quick movie news check-in. All right. So, for once, we have a very happy strike update. The WGA strike is over. (laughs) Yay! Yay! And, you know, obviously, a lot depends on, you know, the whole... We can't declare... Everything is good now because the SAG After is still on strike, but and they're still work they're gonna presumably start working out their deal now. But this is huge. And everything I've heard so far is largely positive that the writers got mostly what they wanted. And this was this was a huge, especially compared to where we started in the negotiations. So this was a, a big win for them. Uh,
2: I've heard much the same thing. Um, I'm sure we both listened to Matt Bellamy's The Town, and he was kind of working over one of the WGA negotiators, trying to get him to admit something hadn't gone as well as they wanted. And the guy didn't budge. Uh, he said they are very, very pleased. Wow. And you know, Ref, I think the the worst it got is he said, well, there are some things that the studios can probably take advantage of this way they're only releasing limited amounts of data about streaming shows. And he said, we'll take that fight next time. And that's, that's what we do uh, with these negotiations and these contracts. So I was surprised how positive the WGA representative sounded.
1: Yeah, the people I know who either work in the field or have close family who work in the field uh, have said, you know, again, across the board, like in non-public, off-record ways, they're like, no, this was great. Uh, We got everything that we needed. Uh, The strike was a really good choice. You know, obviously it was hard, but they ultimately, they, the producers ultimately realized they, and the studios needed to come down from their initial demands and uh, that it, that they feel really good about it. I think the only The only thing which I haven't heard it, but uh, similar, I guess, to what uh, what Greg was saying, is I remember the last time there was the strike in the two thousands. The sort of what about like streaming was kind of hanging as like we didn't really negotiate that one, but we will eventually we'll we'll figure that out next time. Which of course you know within a few years became like this is a real Mm -hmm. problem because we're not getting enough money for. Uh, for the for the work that we did uh, in this new new model um, that maybe something like that could could emerge as being more prominent uh, and again, the producers could find a way to you know loopholes or, or openings where they can still um, you know uh, uh, take advantage of the situation. but it feels like they were trying to future proof it as much as possible and that everyone feels good about it right now and they're happy to be getting getting back to work and, you know, we we can get some announcements of movies that sound like bad ideas yeah. and TV shows like what finally we can hear about them uh, rebooting The Office.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To me, the biggest thing, because I, I was looking at sort of lists of all the things that they were part of the deal. To me, the biggest thing to go with what you were just talking about, about streaming and stuff like that, is that they now get bonus or residuals if a show or, or a film, I guess, gets at least 20% of the subscriber base view it, viewing it. And so that's the, the percentage, I guess, is really big because it's like if they had designated a number of viewer views. That doesn't really there's no one size fits all, because if you're on a smaller streamer or like if your movie is just smaller, right, has like generally has is the type of movie that has a smaller audience. That's not really going to help.
2: I just I'm excited for the Apple TV shows that only have to win over one dude in the Midwest and then they can be 20 uh, percent of the the viewing audience. Uh it's yeah, ouch! Um, Damn. big winners on the strike. I just want to give a shout out. I I had not heard until this week this story about Drew Carey. Did you hear about Drew Carey? Uh, no. He's been there are two diners in Los Angeles that he let it be known he would buy breakfast, lunch, or dinner for any WGA member who showed up. And so they haven't revealed how much money <gasps> he spent, but estimates are like in the six figures to pay. Tons and tons of the strikers, and you know what? I had warm feelings towards Drew Carey in the mid '90s. I haven't thought about him much since, but like, all right, dude, way to stand up and put the game show money where your mouth is, and and stand by the writer. So I I was very impressed when that story emerged.
0: That's awesome! What a great story. Um, I think the other big thing it, to go to what Greg was saying earlier of like trying to find something that they were not satisfied with. I think just the amount of money that they gained i think is like le- is much less than they asked for right obviously some of that is negotiation tactics of like you start high and then you knowing that you're gonna have to work your way down but i think the number i heard was like they had asked for an 11 percent increase in pay and then like everyone everyone was asking for more but then i think it's the dga already got five percent that was their deal and then now the wga is five percent so now they're thinking oh, is probably going to be a similar thing so i think just sheer dollar amount like they came in under a lot under but i think part of that was probably to be expected
2: and it seems like the momentum is with the sag uh representatives now it sounds like they'll start talks back up on monday uh and well today i guess as you're listening to this uh the 2nd of october and um that i assume that the hard work is done now it's what are we worth compared to the writers? Let's talk slight changes, but they've kind of agreed on the terms of the debate. Mm-hmm. So I think we might actually have summer movies next year to change everything from what we said last time we were on this very show.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and then uh, the other thing too, because very relevant to the movie we're going to be reviewing today, the AI stuff apparently went went well. Uh, and the I was listening to... IndieWire screen talk podcast and which I don't recommend listening to that episode because they spoiled a bunch of killers of flower moon for me. <laughs> uh,
3: and they were like, it's a true
0: story. So like, no, it's not really a spoiler. And I was like, if you haven't read the book, which I have not, I was like, Oh, like it was like, yeah. So don't, so if you're looking to stay clean for killers of the fireman, don't go listen to the episode, but I'm here to tell you, cause I did, I took a bullet <laughs> for everybody uh, that they were talking about. Cause they interviewed one of the the reporter that they had on the ground, sort of covering the whole strike. And he said that the studios actually, the thing that didn't really get covered much is that the studios are actually qu- like quite concerned about the use of AI as well, because post that the precedent set in case of you can't copyright it. They don't, they don't want people going around writing things with AI that then they can't own. (laughs) Um, So that, that case actually made a huge difference, I think in terms of negotiations as well.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there was speculation about that on, on this show between the three of us. And we were talking about it. You in particular, I think brought that up. Uh, And that would make sense. And uh, it's good that that, that always did sort of feel like that was the, you know their version of "We're asking for twelve percent." Their version was just like "We're asking for AI to be the first, uh, the first writer mm. on everything," uh, was thrown out there to be negotiated away, mm-hmm. and they really were just trying to get that number of raises and get the streaming number lined up. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that they figured that out and have uh, hopefully clear guidelines uh, of, that will be useful until the robots take over. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, anything else new in your, either of your movie worlds? I know Greg's out Paw Patrol this weekend.
1: Uh, I will Take just, what man. I saw this weekend was the re-release of the talking heads concert documentary. Mm. Stop making mm. sense, which if uh, anyone is, has the remote possibility of interest in seeing it, I highly recommend seeing it on a big screen with a full sound system. Uh, the remastering is incredible. It is if not the best, certainly in the running, uh, you know, a finalist for one of the best concert films ever made and uh, just ex- exquisite Jonathan Demi directing and weird performances from a weird, fun band. Uh, and just people were, were clapping and singing in, in, the, in the theater like they were in nice. the audience. Nice. So uh, definitely recommend that while it's still out and in, in playing, if you have the inclination.
2: Well, and they can have that title for two more weeks until Taylor Swift comes and wipes all other concert movie history. Out of, Annihilates uh, everything. And in all the other movies, period, ever. Um uh I,
1: would would love it if uh, would love it if whoever directs the Eras Tour wins best director, uh, you know, eight or nine
2: years later at the Oscars. That would be great. Uh I will pass on discussing Paw Patrol and just say the other thing we've been uh bouncing around between us is uh there were four new Wes Anderson short films uh, that were released on Netflix. And it's really, really cool and really exciting and um you know, because we OD'd in June on Wes Anderson, I don't think we have another episode planned on them. But if you listen to that episode or you just like Wes Anderson, uh, these are very on brand. Um, they are quite fun and quite worth the watch. For my money, I think the first of the four um, uh, is, uh, I forget the beginning of the title, Henry Sugar is the name in it. Um, the Wonderful Life. The Wonderful Henry like. Sugar. Um uh and it's it's fantastic. Um it's the longest of them by a l I think it's double the length of any of the others, at least. Um, but these are very much inspired by uh, a love of Royal Dahl and seems to involve a meticulous recreation of Royal Dahl's uh home writing shed. Um and instead of Royal Dahl, we sit Rafe Fines in it and you know, who doesn't want to show up for Rafe Fines? So um, highly recommended um, enjoy them savor them that put Wes Anderson at the top of my letterbox. I have watched 22 films directed by Wes Anderson this year. Cause I covered Ooh. all his uh, his shorts this year. So challenge on long take review listeners, watch and rank all 22 films directed. That does include the short version of bottle rocket that got their funding for the long version of bottle rocket. It's, it's hard to get to 22. Oh, wow. Okay. So I,
1: as someone who hasn't used Letterboxd enough, is that is 22 unique It's not like you saw Atomic City four times. And so that's four of those 22. Mostly because Atomic City is a movie that doesn't exist.
2: But I saw Asteroid City eight times. uh, Oh. But yes, uh, the way the – if so if you are a patron or a pro on Letterboxd, you can get these stats. And it's so worth it because you can, like, monkey around with all your stats all the time. And so uh, they only count unique movies – in in a given year so that is 22 different things uh directed by wes anderson there's like uh and and his short films include like an old h&m commercial and um Uh, I think an American Express commercial there's it's weird what they count. And and this is true for any director there, you know, music videos get counted and um, things like that. I know my friend Ben has been tracking Catherine Bigelow and ended up watching some weird like watch commercials, I think, to get his number up on her and things like that. So it's it's a weird thing, but you can you can really juice your stats by tracking down everything they've directed. I I just got found out for continuing my music-based
1: weekend and reading about U2's concerts in the in the mm. sphere um, because their mediocre new single is called Atomic ah. City and that got me uh, that got me that got me confused in my brain because that's what I used to think the Wes Anderson movie was I had just learned it I had just knocked it down <laughs> that that's Bono okay. ruined it for me. My Again. my
0: uh pitch for the West Enders shorts that are now on Netflix is, and it's the wonderful oh, story you. of Henry Sugar is the is the actual title. Um, two two things. One, I don't recommend trying to watch them all hmm. in one sitting because the style of them there's a lot of spoken narration like as if someone's reading the roald dahl story which is delightful because the actors are doing a great job with it and it's just really fun how that plays along with with them coming kind of coming in and out of the scenes but i will say that when i was watched sat down to watch i watched the first two and was like enthralled and then got to the third one about rats and then fell asleep um so <laughs> like because it was just like too much it was too much at the the same frequency i think for me um in that sitting, obviously it was like it was at night and i I was tired tired and stuff so there are other factors involved as well but i think for me i was like wide awake and then when i got to the third one maybe the third one's also not as good but like um so i would say spread them out i think that's why they're they're releasing them one at a time they did release them one at a time this week um the other thing i would say too is like even if you're not a huge wes anderson person but you're a huge fan of handsome British actors like this is this is treasure trove (laughs) like Benedict Cumberbatch uh Rupert Friend (laughs) like Dev Patel Dev Patel is so good and uh you know it's like it's yeah it's it's the who's who of 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 fancy British actors so um yeah that's my pitch
2: some some great newbies to the one of the complaints about wes anderson is that he reuses people and he's really only reusing well rupert friend had a small role in asteroid slash atomic city um uh but uh he then other than that it's only ray fines i think because uh dev patel sir ben kingsley who fits right into wes anderson world um Mm -hmm. and richard uh ayude uh Iowa thank you from yes, uh good. I always just know him from the IT crowd but he is in Star Wars and uh some other things of late um so uh, great fun comedic actor and also really gets the the kind of language of it
1: Greg you got oh. bonoed. you called it atomic I did that on
2: purpose <laughs> oh, that No that
1: wasn't was. <laughs> on purpose
0: I assumed that was an extra big PT
3: Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> a- I'm just
2: loving nukes towards oh, LA. Like so many-
3: <laughs> oh oh segue!
0: Oh, you did it. Okay. Um, that's like, <laughs> in terms of just pure content. That's like not a great segue. <laughs> we don't need PT and I don't want that. That would be.
1: <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to think of something about AI writing writers guild strike bombs in mm-hmm. Hollywood, but it, I, I I didn't make that's it happen. Okay.
0: That's alright Um, so we want to do our short takes. I guess we'll fold into the short takes. preambles as necessary because i think at least at least greg and i have sort of like in terms of our viewing experience have have a little added layer of complications um in greg's case anger (laughs) uh and so so, um well we'll start with the short take so what were just your general reactions to the film spoiler free obviously
1: in general i i liked it i think that it isn't uh, perfect in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there, uh, I don't want to set it at a low bar of, it's just nice to see original uh, or at least, you know, mostly theoretically original uh, science fiction uh, in the, uh, in the theater. Uh, but it is really nice to see original science fiction in the theater and uh, the, the visual wonder of it all and the commitment of the actors uh, to the characters made up for some of the narrative shortfalls that I think are present in the story. Uh, so I-, I had a really good time. And I, I think anyone who was rem- is remotely uh, intrigued by seeing what, you know, what's out there in the trailers or hearing our spoiler free discussion of it. Uh, if it's sort of like, that sounds like I could be into it. They should check it out. Cause it's worth your time. Okay.
2: Uh- I'm in a lot of the same place. Um, I, I think I will say I was maybe hoping it would blow me away and it didn't quite blow me away, um, but that's more on me than the film itself. Um, it is entirely solid. And um, in addition to everything PT said, um, seeing it on the big screen is worth it because the visuals are reward that and are very big um, and, and kind of, great to get lost in. Um, and I will also add that I think the cast is really good. Um, you know, it's it's always a little iffy when you put a child at the center of your movie. Um, but then when you stack around that child, just some great, hey, I know that person. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I think... I think some people don't like John David Washington just purely out of Tenet, uh, like PTSD, but, but he's always really great. And you get Ken Watanabe. Um, I did not know for a long time that Alison Janney was in this and that got me very excited to see CJ Craig go full military and, um,
3: uh, and Gemma Chan,
2: uh, doesn't get as much as those others, but, um, you know, I, Warm feelings for her, too. And it's like, oh, yeah. Remember the Eternals was a thing? I forgot about that because, you know, life's been weird the last few years. But uh, so overall, definitely positive. Uh, I think Gareth Edwards has hit a place that I will go just on his name for whatever projects he does in the future. Um, but I, w- I did enjoy this one a lot. What about you, Jen?
0: I also enjoyed this movie. and it, But it was one of those things where... I was in awe as I was watching it, and was like, "Whoa!" Because like lots of shiny sci-fi things, and and then but at the end, you know, it do, it does have a fairly emotional ending, but by the end when the credits rolled, I was kind of like, "Huh," like, and it felt like something. And I'm so when we get to the spoiler section, I really want to try to pinpoint what this is, but like, I felt like some there was some element that was missing that was going to kind of blast it into the stratosphere because i think this this movie had a ton of potential and and as and for me it was like the world building as like all the things that we look for kind of in a sci-fi world a plus like i'm i was i was all in and i was like eating all of it up chewing on the scenery as we're going through it and being like oh wow as as a an alternative like a alternative world timeline future universe whatever you want to put it it, i think it was really engaging and, and drew me in but the actual story for me it was sort of like at the end of the day i'm not sure if i connected with the any of the characters in any substantial way um and the the plot itself kind of after everything is said and done is kind of like pretty basic so um which I, which might not be what it was going for like it was not probably my guess is it was not prioritizing that kind of stuff uh, because it's like it's major project, it, at least my impression is that the major agenda is like let's build this out this world and create this um, this very like sci- sci-fi dystopia kind of like thought experiment about what would the world be like if. And, and so I feel like it's on that front, it really succeeded.
1: If this is one of those movies where, you can hear people list off reasons they don't like it and be like yep that's fair like you're not sort of like "Where were you watching <laughs> what were you like i don't understand how you process narratives but it's just like a, a lot of the complaints are very fair i think it's just a matter of how much leeway you're willing to give it or how much you like the things that are working in it uh compared to some of these problems that you know we might all all of us might be able to be like okay Sure. We'll let that go. And, you know, but understandable if some people are just like, but this, what, like what's happening? Or, you know, why is this, what's, what was chosen here? Uh, So, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something interesting when it's, uh, middling is not a good word for it, but it's like, it it is in the middle somehow of, of having clear flaws and having clear, you know, wins, but it's, you know, how much, how much are you going to enjoy the latter and forgive the former?
0: So I've actually seen this movie twice. Once was on, uh, for a very, very early uh, preview screening. It was like a focus. I was part of like a focus group, basically. I mean, actually, I didn't, to be technical about it, I didn't make it to the focus group. They randomly selected a certain percentage of the audience to actually leave, leave the theater mm-hmm. and go participate in like a, presumably like a, com- like a conference room type conversation to talk about the movie. I filled out a survey at the end. And I'm not going to talk, cause, you know. Cause, and and I've been very, very good on this podcast <laughs> of not revealing that I've seen this movie, that I saw this movie before just, it came out. Just reveal when um, because when I signed the thing. Said just I tell
2: people there. what month that was, like how long ago. I feel like.
0: I want to say it was May, it was. right? Was I think it was really it was long May time June. Ago.
2: Yeah, I just want them to appreciate your ago. your result was- in not sharing because you have been so good yeah. about it. And- yeah. I was like,
1: I'm just gonna act like yeah, I've never yeah. seen it. <laughs> you you didn't share on the podcast that you saw it, and you didn't share off the podcast yeah. any thought yeah. Yeah. about what you what like what your impression was. Yeah. So yeah, it's been you've been this lockbox about the creator uh that i'm actually now i'm excited to hear more (laughs) of your reaction yeah
0: it was and it was crazy because i feel like on the show we had just i had just bit pinged it as like hey i found this movie mentioned on the internet it seems really cool like gareth edwards is making a sci-fi movie like how is no one talking about this and then i got a thing in my inbox because i i subscribed to a couple of the like free screening Hmm. listservs and usually i ignore them because they're like movies that sound terrible um or for like kids under 12 and i'm like i can't at eight o'clock i can't take my child who's six your movie <laughs> like i just can't do that um and, and and so but this one it was like the creator and i was like whoa, whoa what like click 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 um and you know it was it was it was a crazy experience and, and one i really enjoyed i had never been to a screening of a movie way that far in advance of it coming out um and it was not finished uh and a lot of the visual effects were had little placeholder like floating text that said like ai to indicate like and it was just like um i think the main the main scenes were ken watanabe's character um had a bunch of stuff robotics on him but in the version i saw he was just ken Watanabe, (laughs) and it was like there was just a thing following him being like this is an ai person um and and so it was a lot of stuff like that and so it was really cool and like so it's i've been racking my brain it was long enough ago that i'm like it's hard for me to pinpoint how much they change because it does feel like a different edit mm. of the movie to me a little bit um, i can't confirm that right because i don't have the other copy of the movie handy and i can't fact check that but like my gut instinct when i was watching it was like oh they've changed a few things nothing substantial the basic plot is still was still the same Um, but in terms of just like the the editing of some of the scenes and stuff like that felt different. Um, So that was really cool. And then like, but my point is that I saw this movie and then I saw it in an IMAX theater on Thursday night. The biggest theater is the same theater I've been talking about that. I saw Oppenheimer in, and there was, there was silence at the end of the movie both times, (laughs) (laughs) just pure silence, (laughs) like just like, and people shuffling and, and stuff like that. So like, to me, I feel like, that was really a that was really weird because no one was like clapping or like and um, they were just like, huh, that's a movie. Um, And I feel like that speaks a lot to kind of the story of the movie and had sort of lack of punch, in my opinion. Um,
1: I, I wonder if it also speaks maybe to that inclination. I feel like it wasn't that long ago that it was like people clapping at the end of a movie in a theater was derided. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, why would you do that? Like, they're not right. here like that's it's like clapping when the plane lands just like
0: people in the IMAX theater on opening weekend on Thursday night are the ones who are most excited to see the movie and first of all the the theater was mostly empty and that was really creepy Mm. because every time I go to this theater it's packed because it's usually for like a big temple blockbuster movie uh, or Oppenheimer like there were like it was more packed for the last screening of Oppenheimer Mm. like two weeks ago (laughs) Or a week ago whenever it was that I saw it before it left IMAX. That was a that theater was packed. This theater maybe had like three rows of people in it. Mm. Um so I don't
1: know. I, Yeah. Well, I guess I was wondering, is, is it something about sort of the IP fueled maybe you know, Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, DC movies that get people to be like, Yes, good. I'm happy with that thing that just happened. Uh in, in, in a way that like you know, Liking the fact that this isn't one of those, that it is its own story, is also maybe suppressing the possibility of people being mm-hmm. super excited. It also maybe doesn't. We can discuss the ending in the spoiler area. Like maybe it's not exactly a concluding act that is going to get right, you standing like, up in your seats, right? Like cheering in the same way that I remember people clapping at the end of Oppenheimer because, like. Not mm-hmm. an upbeat ending, like right. even though it was like, yes, this is great, like this is uh, uh, a wonderful piece of cinema, but like you don't feel awesome at the right. end. You don't
0: want cheer. That's that's fair. But but I, but my concern is, and I I want to bring this back to like now. I want to segue into the recommendation algorithm because like we're all recommending people go see this movie, even if it has flaws. I feel like because it's a really good sci- sci-fi world. And because it's original, though we will discuss how original later, I think um, it is original. It's not tied to some IP. It's not part of the sequel machine. It's a, it's an important movie to go see and support. And I'm worried that like the fact that my theater is empty is a sign that like it's not
2: going to do well. <laughs> um. So the only other data point I might give. I went on a Friday night here in Boston. It was half full in my IMAX theater, but that was actually the third night of screenings at this theater. So I don't know if yours had Wednesday night, but they snuck it out a little early here. Now by degrees that, is not going to make the difference between success and failure. But, um, you know, if you get the diehards for one of those, you, you, this has become part of like DC's business model. They get, they charge $25 on Tuesday night and you get to see the Batman even earlier. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I never go to those because they're excluded from a list. Almost always. I think the creator, they let you use, use your a list. Um, You know, I think I would definitely say anybody who's of the, like, Star Wars Amblin generation, you'll love this. Like, you'll have a good time in exactly the way we said. You'll see something cool and original. Um, I might be different than you all, but that's how I tend to—I would put this in the file of, like, the Terminator movies or something like— the fifth element and for me personally even blade runner but i came to blade runner very late in life but like all of those are movies i'm like oh cool i'm glad i saw that and don't need to watch three times a year every year till i die right like no disrespect to those filmmakers but i i don't think the creator will ever have that kind of rabid fan base of like a star wars or a star trek or a lord of the rings or something i think it's likely to be more of a yeah that was a cool experience and i really like you know what it feels like here it is looper i think it's gonna be the looper right where it's like ah yes that was a fun time that was a good time but you don't see anybody cosplaying looper you don't see anybody you know shouting out Looper every year for their new rewatch so i would say if any of those titles i just kind of word vomited out are things you like dear listener go for it because i think you, you won't regret seeing the creator
1: I, I will just say i mean i i like those name checks of uh, of those movies uh even though i like some of them more than i think greg does but i think that yeah, this is some Blade Runner slander just now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll I'll, 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 I'll say Terminator slander as well. Because, uh, and I, you know, I, I, yeah, anyway, I, I won't, I will we'll, we'll work that out. We'll negotiate that some other time. Uh, but I will say, I, I'm going to borrow from a, a friend of mine who saw the movie separately. We didn't see it together, but we were texting about it today. Uh, and, you know, had had a, was in a similar place of like, yeah, some things worked really well and some things, you know, didn't work quite as well. It's kind of a mixed bag. Um, But his, his uh, like log line for it was uh, Blade Runner done by Terrence Malick. If Malick grew up exclusively on anime and and I was like, okay, like I can, I I I can see see that, that there's, there's something there, Um, you know, and, and I think with a sort of parentheses of, and, you know, w- without a story as maybe uh, effective as Blade Runner or Terrence Malick uh, or even really good anime uh, movies. But, uh, but you know, I think that there's – if any of that, like, s- is piquing your interest I, – honestly, I feel like if you've ever wanted to see a movie, if you've ever been the kind of person that's like, this movie is about spaceships and robots, I'm interested, uh, then you should go see this movie because it's a movie uh, in that zone – that is doing something, uh, you know, on it, in its own kind of corner. Uh, how we again, however, successfully or you know, groundbreaking uh, it might be, it's doing that. And I'll also note, like one of the things that people have been saying about it is how the visuals are so strong and how good it looks with such a relatively small budget. Between the sort of international gross and even you know, the, maybe it's only in third place here for the first weekend. I think it's like under fifteen million so far. But the budget was only seventy-five or eighty million, so uh, you know that's not like one of these movies that's like, oh my god, you know, all, all, all love uh, from from me and from Greg, not from Jen, to Indiana <laughs> Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, I'm a, um, that um, down. a movie she actively doesn't uh, doesn't enjoy. Uh, but uh, just kidding. But that like you know that needed to get, get to five hundred million dollars to break even. Like this doesn't need that. Like this right. this that's could true. get by just on mid mid-range ticket sales into the award season uh, and will be will be uh, successful in a way that hopefully will get the studios to realize this kind of this budget level of a movie is worth investing Mm. in again
0: what are what are some other touchstones i guess i'll share mine and because i feel like you know the recommendation algorithm segment that we usually do Operates under the premise that not everything is for everyone, and so we're trying to recommend it. Like, if you like this, then you'll like this movie. Um, and so I feel like the thing I thought of was uh, District Nine,
3: mm.
0: it feels a lot like District Nine to me. Um, which but I think District Nine is a better movie, uh, because I, th- I believe that actually got some Osh- Oscars traction yeah. back in the day. That was right? Best Picture. Uh, Nominated. Right. So it's not it's not quite operating at that level. But I feel like in terms of the the feel of the world, I feel like it's very similar. Um, and I will just say that, like, at the sc- early screening, I went to the little the I think both in terms of the survey you had to fill out to get a ticket to the screening I went to and in the the they gave us envelopes and pencils and said do not open this until we tell you to and then it was really weird where they were like you may now open the envelope and you just hear like hundreds of people going (laughs) (laughs) um very quietly because nothing else is happening um and and just filling in their little scantron sheets um but but in both of those they asked about other sci-fi movies i think arrival was on the list Mm. and interstellar Mm. and like all of these very hard sci-fi movies Um, and I feel like this, I can see why they're doing that to be like, oh, and I, and and the questions kept implying that they didn't really quite know how to market the movie because they were like, are, is this just, are we going to go cut straight to the hard sci-fi nerds? and that's it or does this movie have bigger blockbuster yeah. appeal and i feel like there was a tension in a lot of the questions they asked about like which characters did you did you <laughs> like the best or like you know what was like just the, it was really interesting i wish i had i mean i would have gotten in trouble but i wish i had saved a copy like, yeah. taken a picture or saved a copy of the, the, the questions because they were so interesting um uh but yeah so i think hard sci-fi definitely like if 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 Especially like dystopian hard sci fi where it's like, oh, imagine a world uh where I guess we don't want to spoil it too much, but like <laughs> a world a world where AI ha- is prevalent and people coexist with AI, right? Uh and then some people were okay with that and some people are not. Um uh but to me the other genre was like this felt like a war film more mm. than anything else actually. Uh, in terms of the plot and the type of story. Um, and a lot of the big set pieces, In- including are very kind one of like Black Hawk Down, not
2: quite big set piece, but one scene that was directly directly lifted from Platoon, essentially. So, um, so yeah, that's yes. right. Yep. So I think that that is a good comp to make uh here's a movie we haven't mentioned yet but should be in this conversation and i would actually put this ahead of it when talking about ai movies there's a movie called ai uh starring Haley joel osman and uh a lot of those themes are present here i mean i think that's a little more of the family-ish version of it i I don't remember that movie terribly well Mm. but you know that's the spielberg version i know that's also a kubrick film kind of sort of um but I think actually that might be the one it's most similar to in some of what it's it's digging up. So I would throw that one into the sci-fi mix. But I wouldn't go hard. To, I would not say Arrival. So, don't market this as the new Arrival. I think you're going to get in trouble.
1: Right. Yeah, the the deadline write-up of the weekend box office was comping it to Arrival because I guess it was like, mm-hmm. it's in line. Like it was almost, you know, just in terms of, you know gross numbers yeah. uh the martian you know, i think was also on this <laughs> list
0: right now it's coming back to that's humanity. interesting <laughs> it's um, like what
1: <laughs> I, I i guess arrival is that is, would this be true 2016 was the last sort of mid-budget sci-fi movie that got like a little bit of attention a little bit of legs so i can see from the business side why you would do that but that does so many so or so few favors mm-hmm uh to cr- the creator to try to compare it to a- and gareth edwards to compare it to uh Denis Villeneuve and and uh, arrival which is just operate trying to operate on a different level yeah uh, that no, that's true is it w- w- would be very unfair yeah do you like i think of all my students who think interstellar is the best movie that's ever come out uh and them going to see this movie and being like mm. what like what this doesn't make me think <laughs> i'm smart at all like i don't understand what's happening
0: I do feel like some of the editing, again without getting spoilers, some of the editing and the structure of scenes and the way they're edited does did remind me a little bit hmm. of Arrival, and I and if I say more, I'm both spoiling the creator and Arrival. <laughs> I feel like, um, but um, which I don't want to do. But okay, yeah. So I think, yeah. So I guess who really is the target audience of this? If it's not the uh, the hard sci fi Arrival crowd. I guess it's the Blade
1: Runner crowd. I mean, yeah, what's what's the term for is it soft sci-fi? Mm-hmm. Like is it sort of like, like yeah, more action-y, adventure-y, or almost genre-y oh, yeah. sci-fi as opposed to sci-fi adventure? Know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like what's you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars. This is for Star Wars yeah. sci-fi people. But the tone of this Whereas- movie is very serious. Mm. That's the
0: only thing that's holding me back from that. You know what I mean? Like there's right. no there's no quippy adventure parts of this really but I guess, I guess that's
1: where like you know what's the overlap i feel like yeah. that's where it gets more into the blade runner zone of it is this a more hard-boiled instead of it being a noir movie it's more of a behind the lines yeah. war movie uh in a sci-fi impact. how
2: about it's jj star trek not roddenberry star trek there we go Oh, <laughs> not justin lynn star trek
1: <laughs>
0: i like it that says i feel like that says a lot that says a lot. You reached, you reached like five people and they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> Or they're like, Oh no, I don't want to see it. Now. Go see it now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it does have a very propulsive action oriented plot. Mm-hmm. Like we're there's urgency and we're moving from scene to scene and place to place and there's danger at every turn. So it's like, yeah, it does have that kind of like, it's not, there aren't long periods of people just sitting around talking about things and that's the other thing too is like if for me if you're craving the like cerebral ai discussion i feel like it's not actually in here that much it's more the like they can be people too emotional it's like more pathos driven i feel like whereas like if you're looking for something that's like uh ex machina Mm. i feel like where it's like actively there's discourse about like what ai is and what it can do and what it should do and all that kind of stuff like or even like (laughs) iRobot, not the will smith movie but the books i guess um Uh, you know what I mean like I feel like that's not that's AI to me is more of a backdrop of this movie than it is or like premise a premise as a means to an end to tell this bigger war story is what I would say but anyway I think we're bumping up against spoilers so I think maybe we need to go to spoiler mode
2: Uh,
0: yeah so
1: if you have not seen the creator the only thing I'll say sorry before we go to spoiler mode is we didn't hear
2: Greg's story Lead, uh, about, right. lead spoilers, Maybe he doesn't want to tell it that's, That way I can give the full details okay.
0: Oh, because there's, okay, okay, okay so got Those of you it. who
1: want to hear Greg's story And you haven't seen the creator, <laughs> you got to go see it So you can hear the story Come back and enter spoiler mode <laughs> All
0: right. That's part so of the tease We're about to enter spoiler mode If you've not seen the creator Do not continue, please go see the movie Because we want you to go see the movie and support this type of Mid-budget sci-fi movie, and then come back And listen to us
3: All right,
0: Is this is more Ocean's Eleven. This is why I liked it. PT sent me a bunch of bumper mm. music clips and I was like, Ocean's Eleven. Nice. Um, we are now in spoiler mode. If you have not seen the creator, this is no longer, the space is no longer safe for you. And usually right after spoiler mode, I like to go straight to the most spoiler of spoilers. But Greg had a story for so us, <laughs> uh
2: we're going to punt to him. It's a different spoiling. Yes. So uh, I will share how I uh, did not see this movie the first time. So I saw a post online actually from Industrial Light and Magic who have been really promoting this movie. They are very proud of their work on it. And I think for due reasons. I think they, they did a really nice job on these effects. And it was an invitation to a fan preview event and in my world fan preview event meets a screening of the movie early and i went uh rearranged my schedule got my friend to meet me downtown at uh boston common uh amc shout out uh and we waited in line for two hours to get into this event and as the event began they revealed that this was going to be a live streamed q a of gareth edwards in la Featuring three scenes of the movie, not the full movie. And it it took all the people in Boston who were most excited about the creator and ruined their night because everybody was livid. And on review, like I read the past closely, like it never said like they they didn't promise anything. It's just the appearance was
0: right. Legally, they were okay, And it
2: looked exactly like any time. I mean, I think a lot of people go to these things. If you live in a major city, you know, you see free pass. It's the kind of, it's just what they did for Ahsoka a few weeks ago. It's like you two seats, not reserved, like get, get in if you can. And, and so everybody got there early. The kid in front of me had driven up from Connecticut. Uh, I did not talk to him after the event to see how <laughs> he felt about his,
1: <laughs> nor should you no one from Connecticut kitchen be talking
2: i uh, His 2 hour drive and then i'm sure wow. probably 30 bucks in parking cuz he had to sit there for 2 hours before the movie night like i don't know so um so i was very crabby that night uh, my friend uh ran out after the first scene so the they, the three scenes were scene number 1 was the opening of the movie and my friend was like i don't want to see this like i want to enjoy this movie in context right and so he just like got up and left, oh. and i respected it but he's like don't you want i'm like i'm here i'm gonna sit here it's like going to a comic-con panel like i rearranged my night i don't get a lot of nights out of away from the kids like i'm gonna do this um so it was that scene and then it was the uh actually finding of alfie in the facility up until the the helicopter thing blew up the plane blew up uh and then the right. third the third one was scene. the the running robot bomb dudes on the bridge up until alpha oh, nice. them. oh on the yeah. bridge
3: it's that was pretty
0: late very pretty late, late in the, in the movie because
2: i and somewhere in the middle of my actual screening i was like oh we haven't seen the the bomb guy yet and i didn't remember all the details but i remembered the running bombs because they were a really kind of unique cool thing so um so i saw those three scenes i saw gareth promoted a lot and learned lots of cool things about it and behind the scenes stuff, some great stories. But um, when I left, there were just like probably 20 people out in the lobby just yelling at the PR lady and shame on the studio for putting some poor PR intern at the head of this. Right. And like. People went and bought popcorn and a couple beers, and we're like, right? And then it's like, oh, you're going to be here forty right, minutes. Right? They were settling like, in for the night. It yeah. was it was bad, and they were giving out wow. posters, and people were like, I don't want your poster, like, and they were promising, like, we never <laughs> promised. so that's why I probably put my poster behind me because it's it's hard fought that I I had to survive that. So, um, but I will say, as I grumpy see. and nerd angry as I was that night, I I it, it had long since left my my mind of like things i was mad about so i i was not jaded by that going into the movie but since we are in spoiler territory i will also say my actual screening was ruined only slightly by My friend and I tried to order Oktoberfest, and they were tapped out of Oktoberfest at the bar, which any Boston bar not serving Sam Adams, I think, has to close, just in general. So they said, what cans (laughs) of beer do you want? I swear there's a point to this. So there there are cans of beer way back behind the bar in a cooler, and I was like, I'll take that purple one, not knowing I got an extremely high-alcohol-content beer for this screening. I got a <gasps> 90 minute IPA. So at some point about halfway through the movie, I, you know, I can't oh read the can anymore. Like I hadn't really looked at it. I just had figured out. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> like, this is a very strong beer. And I remember I paused and I, I sat in the movie theater and I, I looked around at the people like behind me and I'm like, Wow, we're we're all doing it. It's like the magic of cinema, man. We're all just images on a screen and we're just loving it and we're all watching the same story. And um, so I about halfway through the movie, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, I can't believe it. And then I think um, both because the movie temp kind of goes downhill in the last third in my opinion and also i had finally eaten enough popcorn that i was sobering up i was like oh okay this this is fine and i probably overreacted a little so all my comments should be seen through that no
0: that's i mean okay that's that's a good call but i think you know regardless of independent of the influence you may or may not have been under i feel like your description of how the experience of the movie goes is pretty accurate for me as well because i feel like the first act and that first season scene i feel like is very smart to show an audience to tease them because that was to me i was hooked right away where i was like ooh, like alternative history like what like and using sort of the word atomic keeps coming up (laughs) today i guess but using kind of like the atomic age 1950s sort of vibes to sort of overlay and kind of color a more modern like what if what if war broke world war three broke out over ai i feel like th- i was like yes i'm very in and then you know when john david washington's characters are, uh, is it sergeant taylor they introduce him i'm like oh okay cool i've seen this character before like grumpy ex-military person who gets dragged into one last mission like all right i'm good i'm good and then like all this all the sort of blade runnery stuff where you meet the simulants and you figure out that their likeness has been uh, lent out, and so there's multiples of them running around, and all. And then it was really once we sort of hit the the Nirmata, like nomad destroy nomad like that last act. I feel like is sort of when mm. they lost me, and I was just like, oh, like, and it, and which is I feel like is such a shame because so much of the emotions of that last those final sequences depend on you being like, I am invested in this relationship between Taylor and Alfie. And I feel like it wasn't quite there. And so then I was like really much more disengaged with the plot because it, it's, it takes such a relationship focused mm. turn.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it felt like there were a few moments where it was just sort of like, and anyway, this is mm. true now. Like there's a character that's just like, and this is an important thing that everyone needs to know. Okay, let's move on. And then <laughs> they then they moved on, and it was like, but like there's so much, you know, actual kind of narrative storytelling building, attempting to sort of build the relationships between the characters, uh, especially between uh, Alfie and and Taylor as the sort of central the central one, uh, and then kind of in in the background, his uh, Taylor's commitment to uh, Maya, his his wife, is. Also, c- clearly important, and that's happening. But then, there would just sort of be anyway. This is what happened, or you know, this is what the reality of things are. That was like, wait, we're we're just going to breeze through that or or past that, and then at the end, it's sort of the the culmination of the world building uh, conflict that that's going on with the interpersonal relationships. And I I understand what they were going for. But it was, let's just like, we're not really on the rails with all of this because of there were some shortcuts that seemed to have been taken. And, you know, if you think of any telling any story, making any movie is spinning all of these plates. Um, they definitely let a couple of the plates fall to the ground and break. And we're just like, anyway, but we're still good, right? It was like, <laughs> sure. OK, like you're doing a good job with these plates. But I think those ones that are in pieces were also important. <laughs> and we, you, you you let them fall.
2: I just wanted to keep letting that metaphor uh, so spin. I, think I, like, you... I, I thought there'd be like. A I know. Spin. I was uh, speaking yeah, of spinning plates. Kept go going.
0: No, no, it's fine. I think you—you, you... we're in spoiler mode, so you could have said when that random sure. guy that we barely know reveals that Maya was Nirmala all mm-hmm. along. We're it was to the... feel things, and we don't.
1: Yeah, the truth <laughs> for me was Maya was Nirmala all along, which was sort of like. To me, the, and I mean that you sort of hint at it in the in the question That was like very obvious. It was just sort of like, well, of course, it's going to be that she was Nirmata because it's a lot of like her dad. But then there's like a reversal of it a little while later, where it's like, well, my dad was Nirmata, but then I became mm. Nirmata. Right. And it's like so. Okay, it wasn't that the intelligence was wrong. It was that it was just yeah. outdated. Yeah. And also, like your dad's still important, but we're never going to hear from him or about him, <laughs> except that maybe is Ken Watan was her dad Ken Watanabe, and he mm. you know oh, yeah. like used his like his, I don't know, but like that's oh. not that's that's yeah. not text that is that no, is fake. that's fake. yeah I'm bringing that in. The other one that was big was like when uh, 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 Taylor uh, Joshua is in, I think he's in is he locked up in prison? He's talking to Ken Watanabe at one point, and Ken Watanabe is like you know, AI didn't actually, uh, nuke LA. Like that was a human. Mm. And it was like, Oh, that seems really important for the arc of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. like, That's it. Huh? That's all we're going to do is just going to say that no one, like no one in America, none of the military leaders, uh, or, or political leaders who seem to be the same people, uh, in this world, which was cool. All that stuff was cool. Um, the anti-imperialism about, uh, the American military, I thought was, was, uh, fun. Uh, I don't know if fun's the right word, but was well done and interesting. Uh, But it was like, oh, maybe we need to reckon with that. And that's something that we need to actually deal with. It kind of just felt like it was like, don't worry. Don't feel bad. You're rooting for AI. They didn't Mm. do anything wrong. Uh, And that felt really kind of half-assed or even quarter-assed in the context of um, the the story that they were trying to tell. Right.
0: So to me, that moment kind of speaks to why i think this actually works better as a war film than it does as a science fiction action adventure if that's what we're gonna call it now or epic i get. i don't know yeah i feel like because that that kind of dialogue usually shows up in a like when you're trying to complicate the politics of a war and be like both sides because i feel like this movie is very much like both sides are wrong and both you know what i mean like but we can understand why both sides are fighting i think that the alice and janney character her best scene is when she's telling uh uh joshua about how her son she lost her both her sons in the war right and like why you and you in that and i wish there was just more of that because in that small scene it's like 30 seconds she's talking to him probably you understand everything you need to know about Mm -hmm. her character and why she's there right um whereas i feel like with with even joshua His motivation is very clear. He only cares about Maya. He doesn't care about the war anymore. Right. Like that. They make that abundantly clear. Uh, It's not confusing at all. But I feel like because we only get these sort of like ethereal flashbacks of the two of them together for most of the movie, I just like don't I we don't we literally don't know anything else about him uh and and what he who he was when he when he was in those flashbacks you know what i mean and and so for me it was just like a lot harder to care (laughs) about him (laughs) even though john david washington's doing a fine job like i feel like as an action adventure star like he's or action movie star he's doing great like but yeah i just i don't know something about this the screenplay is like there's stuff Mm. missing
2: well yeah to that point i was gonna say there's A really interesting sci-fi kind of debate about the fact that he has, um, you know, uh, robotic uh, appendages and uh, prosthetics. There's the word. Um, And I was just thinking as you were talking, I'm like, wait, yeah, they didn't ever explain how he needed those. Right. Are these you know, I think we fill in the blanks. It's like, oh, it must be old war injuries or. But like maybe it's actually probably more compelling if he was born in need of prosthetics. And so he's always been assisted by some form of the robot technology. And, um, yeah. you know, I think you're right that by setting all of that aside, it becomes more of more of a war picture uh, within that. Um and maybe that's my problem. So w- what I said when I walked out of the theater on the elevator slash escalator ride down is I said, I think what was missing is one really good scene that showed you the bond between Alfie and uh, Sergeant Taylor. Yeah. And there's uh, this would be another thing for P.T.'s list late in the the movie. It's like, oh, uh." Um, uh Maya? I already forgot. Maya, Maya gave the fetus's likeness to... She donated the fetus's likeness to be that. So this is their child's likeness to be Althea. turned into a weapon, AI. And that, again, is like, oh, wait, it, it, that's fact? Like, that 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 has happened? And I think part of the relationship... <laughs> shuffle is like once that happens it's like this is my child now whereas before it was like this is the kid i have to like use to get to my wife uh bore out my wife or harrison ford my wife harrison ford my wife i think in that case uh (laughs) my wife yeah yeah the other one uh uh, my wife uh i gotta find my my wife uh and so there's a shift there where, oh, this is now my child. I think we're supposed to just go with, like, now he cares so much about Alfie. But it never felt like they were bonded. They have the, the quote I picked was this cute, but kind of not that important seeming conversation in passing on a train as they're on the run and it's like I never really believed that relationship so then when it comes down to he will sacrifice himself to save her and we are all happy about that it's like well there's a level which we are because it's a kid being saved but it just didn't feel like the movie had earned the level of pathos they were aiming for.
0: The biggest comment I left on my survey back when I saw the screening in May was exactly (laughs) what you just said and i spent like i crammed in the margins i was i wrote so much i was like you i'm like we need to see the turning point at which taylor changes his view on ai and his view on Mm. Alfie because oh you're my kid now is really yeah you're right it's like the really only thing and i said we need some scene earlier on where i understand what flips the switch and what makes them bonded to each other um because he's starting to see through Alfie oh like these ai are sentient beings like they aren't just programming mm-hmm. right because he his he that's the his big thing is they echo hate he does and then a couple other minor characters say like oh it's they can't feel anything it's just programming right that's the way to kind of emotionally cut off from the uh, the simulants right um so i was like we need a scene where like he realizes oh wait this is not a pro this is not programming this is a person right um and, and then to, so that we, so that the ending is more meaningful. Like I literally wrote <laughs> all that in the, in the survey. They clearly didn't get
2: the I was going to say, um, they didn't invite you but, back yeah. after your crazy person uh fiddling.
1: <laughs> I know, right? They're like, well, there's one person in Orange County wants us to reshoot a third of the movie. Hey, <laughs> right? Let's put that one over here. Put her in the maybe pile. Oh. Uh, I, I feel, yeah, I, I, I think both of you are completely right about that. And the thing is, yeah, it feels like there, like for a lot of the movie, I think I was giving the movie too much credit on a narrative level where I was like, this is all happening like under the surface. This is all behind the scenes uh, to the point where that. Scene that you were talking about, Jen, with with Alice and Janie, where they're on the sort of dropship, and she's like, "Let me tell you about what happened to my sons." I was like, "None of that ever happened." Like she's <laughs> manipulating him. That's her. That's the lie. No. She oh. tells him, "We're gonna find out." She's but like later. Yeah, because she's good at her job. <laughs> she's good at emotionally manipulating oh. like sucker military guys. that I she should use. have mentioned
0: Avatar at the mm. beginning
1: recommendation. Well, so that's, she's
0: like the villain yeah, from Avatar.
1: Yes. Uh, but but then it's like because there isn't actually that nuance of like she's at, like there is that extra layer and there is like you you sort of are seeing that there's the sort of steps of okay well now she the 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 weapon has a name I gotta call her Alfie instead of this bot so all right I guess I need to do that uh, and like my old friend who fought with me against the AI has got an AI girlfriend so okay i guess like maybe that means it's a little bit different i was sort of seeing these steps but then you know, when it when it started to just sort of be anyway like here's what you need to know and it was this cliff notes kind of rushed uh a version of it instead of actually seeing scenes of growth and i think that greg's point of uh which i had forgotten about uh of the sort of like oh anyway yeah this thing's important to you because it reminds you of a real human that could have existed and, and the wife that you wanted all along. And he's just like, why? Well, yes, I do care <laughs> about this robot now. Yes. Uh, that like, you know, it, it, it takes away from the possibility of really engaging with that question of, do we need to care about, you know, does he need to care about yeah. these robots as their own sentient beings? And, you know, that's why I think something like Avatar uh, which is a good uh, comp as well. We didn't talk about it. and District Nine as kind of like oh right we need to think of these not as others but as equals or at least as as similar. It, it never just never quite mm-hmm. comes together, but it looks so damn cool. <laughs> I still want to recommend people go see it, even though yeah it doesn't it 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 does go off the rails.
2: Well, and I, I was just thinking about when Alice and Janney first enters, she has a little monologue about Neanderthal Neanderthals. Uh, Now I'm still on my beer, so I can't say that word, but yes. uh, And and it's like, wait, how does that piece fit in that? We were supposed to be like, if the, neanderthals had been able to fight back they'd still be here and so we're rooting for humans because we're neanderthals in this like so so to pt's point it's just it's like there's so much good there and it's just not quite connecting and i will say in the in the q a from the event i went to gareth made some jokes at the prompting of the host of like well, my movie better come out, or else it'll be a documentary because AI is catching up that fast. And like I was, I was kind of interested if that's how the studio was telling him to kind of play this, because to
0: market this it, is just yeah. So
2: not concerned with any of the AI questions we all are talking about. I'm, I'm sure you all go to meetings as much, much as I do, where where AI comes up, and it's like, yeah, we're really asking really hard questions about so much of this stuff now. And maybe that has made this movie outdated from when they shot it last year, right? Like that's not beyond the realm of possibility, but um, it's just not concerned with those questions. Uh, Where I will give it some credit, not just to be about this, I do think it echoed Rogue One in this really cool way. One of the most striking images in Rogue One to me is when... The stormtroopers are walking through Jeddah City um, on patrol around a tank. And you're instantly like that. Those are U.S. soldiers in the Middle East. And you're like, wait, no, wait. The Empire is the U.S. Like, oh, no. Are, are we the baddies? Uh, and like Gareth knew what he was doing. Star Wars kind of took a chance doing that. That's a little more politically on the surface than they usually get. And so I did like that this continued that trend and it really didn't pull its punch at the end that like, no, like we, uh, you know, we, the United States in this case or, you know, kind of humanity also in some ways are like really terrible. And we should be rethinking this and, and questioning what our government tells us even if they say their two sons died in the war or what have you. So, um, you know, it to me, it was like, okay, this is a little subversive in a way I really dig, even if it doesn't quite land the plane slash helicopter.
0: Right. And I think, you know, there's a lot and I'm not the first person to point this out by any means, but there's a lot of the Vietnam imagery from the (laughs) Vietnam War. And films about the Vietnam War. I mean, Greg mentioned Platoon at the beginning. My letterbox review actually was like Platoon would saying Platoon, but make it robots be too reductive. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think it uses that visual shorthand really well, I feel like, from that perspective, right? To be like, oh, like, and, and there's a moment where, oh, it's, and also like animals in this mm. movie, that was another thing. I was like, oh, that, why, that why are we? The t- there are two scenes with dogs where dogs are in mortal danger. And I'm like, we just don't <laughs> need this. This movie doesn't need this. Um, <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> um, but but yeah, there's the, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. But there's, there's in that, the scene where the soldier, it's like Allison Janney's second in command is threatening to shoot a dog if the, they don't tell them where Narmada's lab is. And the there's a woman who says like the a, like the AI have bigger hearts than you mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Um, and I feel like that, you know, the the yeah. So the American imperialism part of this, I think, is very affecting. Um, and but but also because I've definitely heard critics talking about how it's also that also makes it kind of problematic because of the way that the film, not the not the U.S. soldiers in the film, but the way that the film is sort of representing. Asian culture and kind of Asia and like by by it, are we doing are we doing a harm by kind of digging up that history that very traumatic history and then just using it for the sci science fiction film I don't know I've heard lots of debates around that so what what do you two think about sort of the the Vietnam War as
1: <laughs> sort of like subtext here. Well, I, I just thought you were asking. <laughs> thoughts i <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, no, no sorry. I'm just
0: Sorry, I just think of the, the the way to end that. Yeah,
1: I mean, we we just needed a couple more years, and I think we would we would have pulled it out. Uh, you know, I my my little capsule review, which I didn't write on on Letterbox, but I I did say was that like the Gareth Edwards one night was uh, uh, maybe got a purple can of beer or some some other mind altering substance. It was like. What if all Asian people were robots? <laughs> and that was that was his impetus for this? Because there was something oh, no. really interesting, uh, you know, where it felt like, is this like is this offensive? Is this othering, I guess, to to set it up this way? Or is it almost empowering about like, look, America can't handle like differences. The, the whole melting pot thing hasn't really worked out in America recently. So we have to look to other parts of the world that would be actually opening, uh, open-minded and and welcoming of someone different. But I do think not necessarily the Vietnam war parallel, uh, component to it. Um, shout out to, uh, the Ewoks and <laughs> Endor uh, as another moment where Star Wars got really political, uh, just, just to note that, but, uh, that I do think that the district nine comp is maybe my favorite one because it's just so obvious that it's like, Oh, like there's an enemy and there's mm-hmm, an other mm-hmm. and, and the other needs to be hunted down and destroyed. And that the, it it is a, you know, the sort of war on terror element of we got attacked once and we're just going to like spend a decade and a half uh, going out, trying to eradicate this problem that like, it's out of the bottle. Like you can't do that. These are you know beings that exist that are that are off doing their own thing, and maybe they're just trying to live their lives. And the fact that you're hunting them down is why more of them are signing up to do uh, militant action. So I I do think there's a District Nine element, and I think that Greg's Rogue, Rogue One comparison is also very good. There's something in uh, I know Gareth Edwards in developed the Rogue One story on his own, but that there is something to the stories he wants to tell. I think there's also a little bit of it in that Godzilla of like sort of this American military might being used in kind of bumbling, you know, every problem's a nail uh, approach to to issues out in the world. And that the people that we think of as the enemy are actually just humans who are trying to get by and are not all evil beings trying to, to, to hurt us.
0: It sounds like we're naturally moving towards the rhetorical situation by talking about like outside context and how that impacts. Before we move there, since we all have sort of lauded the world building in this movie, is there some detail that you that, you know, I think for Greg, he mentioned earlier, the, the, the bomb, the running bomb robots. But is there like what are some what were some other highlights in terms of things that you that really made the the world either a shot that you really like, because we have also talked about the cinematography um, or just just something that you really loved from this?
2: Um, I want to bracket my answer to this question by saying I felt this movie proved Gareth Edwards directed Rogue One. Um, a whole bunch of Reddit message boards would have you believe that when the reshoots happened, they got rid of like all of his influence and he just pretended and played nice in the press and said, yes, I still directed this. I just it, it so much was reminiscent of Rogue One and it shot composition, even though it's a different DP. And, you know, I'm like, oh, no, Rogue One is definitely a Gareth Edwards movie. and And, you know, I think. There are plenty of people out there who talk about the reworking of the script over time. It's just what happens on these big franchise ones. And we should stop pretending that Kathleen Kennedy is uniquely monstrous in her like overseeing of these projects. Cause um, I, and I really like that because I think Gareth Edwards is a really likable guy and it just feels like, Oh, okay. He, he did get to create the movie he really wanted to. And, um, even if they were changes later, um, I I have noted in his press tour, he has not said anything other than it was a great experience and he loved it. And I think I think that's obviously like good career move, but also uh, true. Uh, so to answer the question, I actually loved a huge number of the shots of um, the the Nomad uh, satellite, which I think you're like, that's the big kind of breath moment. And if you are too grumpy and you're like, oh, the scale doesn't quite work all the time, and then they attack it above Los Angeles, but it falls down in South Asia. And there are some things like that. I actually wanted there to be like 10 of them. And then the end makes it clear, no, there's one Death Star we're blowing up. Um, but I think the <laughs> kind of, you know, it probably got overused by the end and it was in the trailers, but the way it shines, it's kind of target reticle thing, light down. And so you'd get these really beautiful sweeping shots of a landscape. And they just put this kind of light over and across it. And it's, it's stunning every time. And it's, it's really uh, cool. And then the second one I'll shout out is actually like, the very start of the opening scene after the newsreel where the special ops troopers rise out of the water with their lights already on. I thought was uh really, that's where I got amped up. I'm like, yes, this movie is everything I wanted it to be and, and got really into it. So uh, those would be a couple of my favorite elements.
1: Was that when the beer first yeah. started kicking in? Is that AMC's anything, 20
2: minutes of trailers? So <laughs> yeah, that sounds, <laughs> it was hitting the bloodstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: uh i i love uh having these conversations and i love when one of the two of you just like takes a whole like paragraph out of like the notes i took uh and is like oh they also thought that uh so i don't have to go into that but that sort of rogue one comp of like oh gareth edwards did direct that movie there is there is no of that there is no doubt uh anymore um but i i think that sort of the addition or the addendum to that is Uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, but like, it's interesting that I kind of like, I haven't seen it since it came out, but my memory is it had a lot of the same problems Mm. as as this one, along with a lot of the same benefits, uh, which is um, I'm, I'm winning my way around to answer Jen's question, which was say something nice about the movie sort of. Um, But, uh, but you know, that part of why Rogue One works better than I think those other two movies is because Tony Gilroy came in and was like messing around with the story. And I don't think he changed, you know, you know, 80% of the story or anything like that, but I think that he added clarity. And I think that the, you know, the, the progression to Andor and the thing, the other things he's worked on show that he's sort of, I'm good at getting this story across uh, and maybe f- uh, taking these pieces and uh, lashing them together. Um, but uh, the, the, Godzilla has, I think, similar issues of when you get down to the human level and the characters interacting, you're like, what exactly (laughs) is happening? And how, like, how is this progressing? And what is the sort of thematic tie? And uh, it's not that I don't think that Gareth Edwards is thinking about that, but I don't think he has the James Cameron doing Avatar Gift of simplicity, mm. of like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get complicated here. That in a way, Tony Gilroy might want to have layers of complications, but I, I just want to have a simple story and build my sci fi world around it. And I think James Cameron's really good at getting a, a you know, almost asininely simple story done effectively. Uh, and that can make Avatar, you know, make $2 billion <laughs> each time it comes out so far. Uh, and whereas Gareth Edwards has, it's sort of like, what, what, what? And you get a little lost. But In Godzilla, in the sort of visuals of Rogue One, and again in this movie, there's something about the scope and scale of what he can do and like recognizing sort of like, here are these characters and then every once in a while, let's take a step back and let's just have them be this tiny little thing on the screen. And let's look at this huge world around them uh, and, and what is happening out there. And that was true in sort of the urban cityscapes, which were very Blade Runner, very cyberpunk, Uh, Traditional, but then also these different rural settings where there's some sort of, you know, futuristic castle in the background Mm. or a you know mining facility or military compound uh, or a yeah some like what what looks like it would have been an ancient village but it's clearly been built up and augmented in a futuristic uh, sense. All of those shots and that sort of visual world building, I think, it does so much for the story, it does so much uh, for my enjoyment of the movie uh, and I think that it is what is allowing us to forgive all these sort of, you know, I don't want to call them nitpicks because they're serious, some of them are serious complaints about the, the structure of, of what actually happens with the characters but I think that you can sort of be like okay, I'm going to let that go because I'm just happy to be sinking mm-hmm. into this world and watching all these things interact uh, at the sort of you know, individual local scale and then also this super wide lens of this landscape uh, imagery.
0: I think what we're kind of all circling around is that, or what PT was just saying is, is that he seems to have one foot stuck in each type of world, right? Like he's not quite committing to doing the avatar thing, but not quite doing the arrival (laughs) thing. right? Um, And so that's, that. this movie feels like it is kind of caught in between two genres um, a little bit, but for me, this i just love the level of detail that we got in so many things here right from like the the, and i think i love my favorite thing probably was that the in this world we don't just get one type of robot right we have the simulants and the sort of like whatever version came before them like the (laughs) like uh uh that that has like the not human head um but that that we they both of those kind of behaved in very similar ways and and we and dressed in similar ways so i mean to counter argue a point that i made earlier about questioning kind of the use of the vietnam war and the use of of South, southeast asian culture and stuff like that i feel like just seeing um robots dressed as monks mm. was like i've never seen that <laughs> before <laughs> and that's very cool like that this world is a place where there would be there would be both human looking and not human looking robots wearing orange robes like they're monks um and and that like but again like that's part that but then that also makes me think well that's part of the unrealized potential of this is that we never actually really learned anything about how the that came to be or like why are they why is that or whatever right um but i but i but just the same i really loved that and i loved the um blending of your likeness donate your likeness mm. the very blade runner kind of ad that we see i think does a lot of work to be like oh like to, to to deepen the world and to be like oh wait this is a world in which not only does this happen but it's commercially popular right <laughs> like um to the point where there's like an there's like a billboard ad in like a times Square kind of like cyberpunk setting and um i also this is the last thing that i'll mention is that the the because we haven't talked about it all yet, but the idea of harvesting someone's memory because they have only died mm. recently. And like the time, the time that you get with them after death is proportionate to how recently they died. Right. Cause like, she, cause I think and Jenny's character says like, he's been dead more than an hour. Like we only got 30 seconds or something like that. Right. But the idea, like whatever, whatever machine, again, they don't explain it, but like whatever machine she has, like, like, cerebro type helmet thing that she puts on dead bodies <laughs> um i thought was really was really cool and from a like sci-fi like as a proposition for a sci-fi
2: world that um, that was the uh and does a lot for that the was story. the imf mask machine it looked almost identical <laughs> <laughs> But I agree, only, only cringed uh, a little that that felt like it was lifted from Dungeons and Dragons, right? With the the ask three questions of the dead guy, <laughs> oh, right. but but agree that, that we're there. Uh, and just because you mentioned it, I saw on Fanthatracks.com today, a website Jen writes for, uh, there is a new Art of the Creator edition that's coming out. And if you buy the Extreme Fancy Fancy edition, you get a gold Robot Monk statue. So, if this is not on your Christmas list, Jen, I think it should be. No <laughs> price listed, but no the regular edition is Oh, it is actually does look like a
0: golden Buddha. That's <laughs> <so> funny. That's <laughs>
2: funny.
3: <Yeah.
1: laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's like a golden something... Buddha, but then the... Yeah, but There's something That's interesting... So About the sort of conundrum of creating sci-fi stories where there's a lot of things where we were like, we needed more. Like, why didn't we Mm. get more into whatever this is? But then we also, I think, all like when there's a sci-fi story and it's just like, oh, there's a, the world is built because there's something outside the edges of this movie. Like, there's all these things. Right. Oh, like, there must be a story about... the the sentient ai robots turned Mm. to buddhism or you know created something and took the imagery of buddhism and uh you know is that just kind of related to the fact they were welcomed in asia or new asia as they keep calling it after being you know cast away in america like interesting like i do want to know more about that but maybe that doesn't really fit in the movie maybe explaining that you can tap into people's memories. It's just sort of like, just go with it. Like, it's fine. Right. Um, I I think it, you know, it might speak to the fact that there are these, like we mentioned earlier, these core story, like clearly like, like central to the story, central to the characters moments, jumps that are, are undercooked or underexplored that make us almost like grasping for, okay, well we didn't get that, but Could I have gotten, like, a a tight two minutes on the brain scan, like, technology? Is there something there that I could have been given more on? Uh, So, yeah, I guess it it is interesting that it almost feels like an inherent trap of the sci-fi. Maybe it's more
0: more that if we're asking for more, that means that... It's not implied mm. enough, right? Because I'm thinking the the contrast I keep making, and this is very on brand for this podcast, is Dune, right? I'm like, Dune is doing yeah. all the things, right? Dune is checking all the boxes. And this is only checking about half the boxes. So I feel like, what is the difference? And I think Dune is very much a world, a sci-fi world where it's making us work for it, right? We have to kind of learn as we go and pay attention and be like, oh, okay. But I feel like there's a consistency there that allows you to do that. Whereas this is like, Oh, she's like, oh, I just have this machine and we're not going to talk about it or like contextualize it at all. And it really only comes up when she uses it and that's it. And then and then it almost seems like a means to an end, like a plot device so that he has. So Taylor has the little um, thumb drive of his dead wife for the ending. Right. Like, I, you know, like it seems like that was more the point of including it as opposed to like thinking about what role a device like that would play in the world and how we can kind of build it in from the start. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but yeah. So maybe it's a consistency thing where it's like, and, and like sliding in exposition, you know, like you would hide vegetables and food, like, like to be like, it's, it's just, it's as we go, you're learning things as opposed to someone stops and explains it to you. Right. Like, I
1: don't want that. Well, yeah. It's possible Denis Villeneuve is a better director than <laughs> Gareth Edwards, and I mean, and I mean yeah. that as no disrespect to Gareth Edwards, but I do think between Arrival and Dune, we are talking about how someone's doing this at a really high level, and this this movie doesn't. Get
0: Although it. Denis Villeneuve have source material, and Gareth True.
1: Edwards does not, so maybe
0: that's a good. Well, I, um, I was thinking
2: about I read somewhere on the internet this week, and now I'm terrified it was Jed's blog. Uh, but um, how the difference between Tolkien and C. C. S. Lewis. You didn't talk about C. S. Lewis, did you? So, so the the way I read this on the internet, and it, it's just true to my experience of those two writers, is uh Tolkien created his world and then decided to tell a story in it. Whereas C. S. Lewis told a story and then's like, Sure, Santa can be in it. Like, well, I need a lamppost. And so this is apparently something Tolkien and C. S. Lewis fought about, despite being very, very good friends, because Tolkien's like, you can't just put a lamppost in, in the woods. Like, that makes no sense. Like, <laughs> you yes. can't do this. So the idea that um, House, House of R talked about, it, that's where it was. Thank you. Um, and yes. so, uh, so yes, I thought that that also might be Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards thinks of a really cool story and gives us some amazing visuals. Um, and as we switch to rhetorical situation, one of the things on my mind as we're thinking about these war movies, we haven't mentioned Apocalypse Now Apocalypse Now is aided by a very linear mm. movement up the river and that becomes a way through the colonial history of Vietnam and um so <laughs> the
3: horror,
2: the horror. <laughs> there are all these like layers that we well, know well, and I just think this movie thinks it might be doing that but without a kind of very literal way we don't understand the relationship between the city and the castle and the Buddhist monastery but I think those are all ways in which it's trying to do that same thing. So that was the other comp I had.
0: We, we're now ready to go. We've already started, but we're ready to go officially go into the rhetorical situation. A segment in which we look at a film through the lens of our academic experience. <laughs> the teaching of writing, rhetorical situation refers to any contextual factors that influence composing and interpretation. We've already talked about a couple of contextual factors, but the big one I feel like we haven't really dug into is AI itself. And sort of Greg alluded to this, I think, or someone alluded to this at the beginning, the idea of the discourse surrounding AI and how AI is a very hot topic right now. And in theory, the movie should be primed to cash in on that, right, and participate in that. But I feel like I've seen so many reviews that are like this film seems to have nothing to say about ai and so do you feel like what what do you think's going on there like do you think this i guess we should start with like do you feel like the discourse about ai in our real world is kind of like unfairly interfering
1: with the movie or or what potentially it's unfair because i i keep coming back to it because i hadn't sort of made this connection uh and when jen said it i was like yes that's right that you know, this movie has as much to say about AI as District 9 had to say about aliens. Like It's just sort of like right. these these are others that exist to stand in for others, other humans in, in our actual real world. And, you know, there's a little bit of a twist because we're maybe used to sort of seeing and hearing stories, especially when it opens with, and there was a nuclear bomb in Los Angeles immediately we're like oh skynet terminator like got it like i understand what's happening and then it's like well what if instead actually the terminators aren't terminating but they're just trying to survive they're just people trying to get by and that was about as far as they as it was taken which i think is completely acceptable for telling a story but i do think now with the the wga and with uh, large language models and people sort of being worried about being replaced uh, in various ways uh, in in uh, employment situations because of AI. They are looking to this movie as, oh, what is this going to like say or comment? This could be really of the moment. But I think that you're right. It is kind of the moment was made a year ago and a lot of things have changed mm-hmm. since then. So it doesn't really speak to that. And it's not really trying to. And I think that holding it to that is maybe unfair to the movie but uh is is you know a a, a, a victim of the rhetorical situation as it mm. were
0: yeah and i feel like we uh, in our classes we sometimes teach or at least i do this concept of exigency of like what's the occasion for writing this piece how can you tap into the sense of urgency and and that's topical and and that someone should read this right now. And this is the exact thing you should be talking about right now. And I feel like this movie is experiencing that in reverse. Where everyone's like, yes, this movie should be, you know, talking about ChatGPT." And it's just like, well, we we actually started making this before mm-hmm. that was a thing. Um, and actually just we, we're really just working in the like Blade Runner. Like is a human, can, can a human be exactly the same as a robot kind of discourse and not in the sort of like. In a, in a way that that dead reckoning I think is is not right. Dead reckoning is like, hey everybody, there's an algorithm here. It's the it's the villain of this movie, <laughs> right? In a way that very very much is conscientious of the discourse mm-hmm. of the moment. Whereas this, I feel like is not so. So you know, you're Greg, you're you saying think?
2: it pays to be writing your movie up to like a week before the <laughs> the, the release date right? as as the Tom Cruise Macquarie <laughs> method goes. Is- yeah. <laughs> After after they got Jen's comment card, they <laughs> need to call Tony
1: Gilroy, get him in, and rewrite 20% uh, of the story so it made more um, sense.
2: I think that is largely correct. But I want to try to think about where AI was last year. And so this is um, using a little bit. So one of the things Gareth Edwards was asked in the session was like, um, he was asked a lot about like, you know, how how is this responding to our AI moment? And he was very vague. I think in hindsight it's because it doesn't but at the time it was like i don't want to spoil anything but he said one of his um somebody asked what inspired this film and he said he was on a road trip across the midwest and he looked out across one of those beautiful cornfields wheat fields and saw like a very futuristic factory sitting out there and was kind of thinking to himself about like what is what is life like inside that factory and I believe the story then when, like, well, he figured out, well, it's probably not humans in there. It's, you know, like the, the Rust Belt factories are often these days. It's it's all automatons. And so then started building the AI story out of that. And I think, you know, to be fair, I think a lot of the visuals reflect that image. So I think it was more the visual aspect of, like, super something super futuristic and something very organic. And, and that's how he did it. Um, so... You know, if I'm trying to give this credit, I think, and I brought this up earlier, I'm really interested in how all the humans in this movie are using technology to fight the technology. And we have um, Mm. the prostheses that I I already mentioned that aren't really remarked upon, but are clearly shown many times. Like, it's a a part of his character. Um, And then, like, uh, the gear and the weaponry often has some robotic component the the running bombs most obviously and it's not seemingly an ai but the little robot is like yes ma'am it's been a pleasure serving with you and runs off to blow up and uh even in the initial raid on alfie's base um there's like a woman who takes what seems like some kind of forklift and holds off the police by like activating this forklift gun machine thing. Um, And so like in all those cases, it seems like the humans aren't actually doing all that they say they're doing. So if that's true, then in the context of the current moment, that makes me think about the 15 meetings I've been in in the last month, where I'm saying, yes, our students, and I'm going to simplify it here. um, Yes, our students might use chat GPT to write a rough draft. But if they want a good final draft, humanity needs to work with the technology use the tool to get to that upper level uh yes chat gpt could write a resume but in 10 years if everybody's turning in chat gpt resumes for a job listing nobody's getting that job it's the one person who does something different than the generic bullet points of what it's like to work at Applebee's or, or what have you. So I think maybe there's something you could stretch and say it has something to say about like the way we, you know, it, it's hypocrisy, the way we are so fearful of the coming of AI, but are totally using these tools all the time in a more reduced form. So, um, I think I'm doing way more work than the movie is on that question. But if, if I were to try to say like, how is it responding to this moment? That's part of what's on my mind. And, and again, the, the old fear of a robot is going to take your job, which is, you know, when I say old, I mean, two years ago, uh, or every time I go to CVS and some human has to instruct me how to use the robot. Um, so, you know, I, I do think it's a little outdated. It's not of the current moment. I would tell the student who drafted this right now to be like, yeah, you should read a more recent article and check out, you know, a couple other questions that may be going on. It's like, you still get the student who's like, "I'm going to write a a a, a a a argument about why they should legalize marijuana," and they're like, "Yeah, isn't that funny?" And I'm like, "Dude, I've been reading these papers for twenty years. That issue's over. Like, you can write <laughs> yes. about what we should do with drug offenders in prison for marijuana. Like, that's an active part of this issue. So he's not on the active part of the AI issue. He." Sh- maybe couldn't have been because these effects clearly took time in post to put together. But I do think you can still Mm -hmm. see some of these questions about what it means to be human. And we'll be asking a lot of those questions in the next five years. I think.
1: I agree to add one uh, more movie detail and a, uh, another uh, anecdote uh, and anecdata point uh, to, to what you're saying there, Greg is uh, I think the, at the end of the movie, when they uh, uh, Alfie finds the the Maya to put the uh, the memory, the USB stick in uh, so we can have the decently uh, emotional reunion between Maya and uh, and Joshua. But, like the whole thing is that on Nomad, the big American, you know three trillion dollar ship that's designed to hunt down and eradicate all AI on the planet, uh, they have got a whole bunch of AI stored up. Like a, they've got a bunch of empty robots ready and waiting to go because America, you know, the American military leadership is not actually afraid of this. They have just mm. created, uh, or, you know, they, they reacted. And again, it's not ex- sort of explained enough or really dug into, but it's sort of like somebody screwed up somewhere and they're like, well, we found an enemy. So we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to target that enemy and, and eradicate them. Uh, But we're going to use all the good stuff that we can, even though we've, got the whole public on our side of hating this enemy. So, you know, that's another sort of component there. But again, I think that's more of a, a post 9-11 story mm-hmm. than it is an AI, uh, you know, wrestling thing, which is feels almost antiquated. I did see someone note of like, oh, so the terrorist insurgents take over a commercial airline and fly it into a big building. That's a symbol of uh, the America's military might and they blow it up. Those are our heroes. Like, good job, Uh, good job, the creator. Um, But anyway, uh, the other thing is, I'll say is, yeah, this this, like, what do we do with the technology? Do we, you know, do we fear it? Do we not? Uh, I have heard people in the context of the uh, faculty governance of USC who were like, we're really got to figure out how to find and and punish the people who are using this who then within a minute or two will talk about using chat gpt for departmental memos or uh you know the things that they think of, of like well this isn't important this is the busy work of my life and it's like yeah they think your papers are busy work too like that's why the students are doing this they don't mm-hmm. think it's important to actually do it like it's kind of on you to make it seem important so uh so yeah i i think we may the three of us may be on a similar page of you know this is not a thing that's going to rise up and, and destroy us. It's just a tool and a tool that may be used as a, a cudgel to hurt people and divide people and take things away by those who are like, great, I can get more benefit from uh, the, the shortcuts that will arise from this. And I don't need to maybe use all of my, my resources up here at the top of the pyramid. Uh, and there's, again, some of that could be seen in this movie. But like Greg said, I think that's a lot of mm. audience work to sort of Mm. try to take this thing that is of uh, situations context a few years ago and put it in this new AI context where it's not really trying to exist. It just happened to coincide with it.
0: Yeah. And I feel like there is still a pretty big chasm in discourse between sort of like immediate concerns about generative AI right now sort of the, like the stuff that both of you were just talking about and sort of like a farther and more theoretical anxiety about sort of like the singularity or, you know, this movie mentions like evolution, Mm. right. That AI being part of and being part of human evolution or something like that. Right. And so I feel like this movie is very much concerned with the latter, right. Of like, if we keep using AI as a tool, And as a subservient tool, right. Cause like that's in the before times in the movie that they show, you get the implication that it's like, and they, it's in that, in that, that reel at the beginning where it's like, they were our servants. They were our law enforcement. They were like, they did everything for us. Right. In this very kind of idyllic way. And then, you know, and then it's like, well, because there wasn't any thoughtfulness put into that once they became sentient. Right. Which is a big if, right. Like in our world, Not, not nearly as many people are worried about AI becoming sentient and therefore human and deserving of human rights. Like that's a must, still very much, I think, to my understanding, a very theoretical argument, right? Um, Of like if that happened and and when, like as opposed to when. Um, But I feel like yeah, this movie is very stuck inside of sort of like older concerns about AI that are kind of more abstract. Of like, well, if they became more like humans how would we treat them and like how could we really tell if they were just programming or if they actually did have emotions like these are conversations i've had with my students um after like there's like an npr i can't remember what the show is but they did a whole thing about furbies and they did like an experiment with kids where they had to like hold a barbie upside down for a certain amount of time and then they had to hold a furby upside down and then the idea was that the kids got very upset mm when the Furby started acting like distress, but the Barbie, they're just like flip-flopping around and they're like, yeah, whatever. It's not a person. Like, <laughs> um, so, so it's like, yeah, the idea of like simulation being more of and our reaction to it and our emotions evoked by it being more of the issue than the technology itself and what's going on with the technology uh, internally, I, I think is, is that definitely sort of like seems more wrapped mm. up in this movie than like all the stuff that you, the more immediate concerns that, that you were both just talking about. Um, does that make it a bad movie? Mm. No. <laughs> right. Uh, but I do think that's going to bear on the success of the movie overall is that people are yearning for something more immediate and nuanced about now. Uh, and they're, this movie is just not going to be able to give it to them.
1: And, and I also think it, it somewhat ties into I'm not just trying to segue to the next thing on the document about the question of how original is it? Cause we do keep, we and, and others keep being like, Oh, this is great. It's an original science fiction movie because it's not tied to an intellectual property or some yes, sort of pre existing story uh that's out there. But it's not very original because it's drawing from all these earlier narratives. It's it's you know, the unkind way of to call it was say derivative, um uh you know, a pastiche maybe. Uh but I think that the that kind of pastiche element The fact that we keep, or at least I keep coming back to another movie, another way in which it ties to some, you know, it's a parallel to another story, another movie that's already out there, I think is maybe part of what stops it from even having the real potential of meeting the moment about AI is because it's so busy looking back on Platoon, Terminator, Avatar, Blade Runner uh, Ghost in the Shell, like all these things that are out there that it's kind of picking through that there's not really a lot of space for, you know, really thinking about, well, like, well, what could this actually mean in the in the present tense, you know, the present of reality? It's more about like, here's a cool story. It makes a lot of sense. It's like, here's a cool story based on an, an image I saw once and it popped into my head I, I thought of a bunch of things uh how could i mine the things that i mm-hmm. like to sort of tell my version of that story which is a totally cool way to create fiction uh, but i think that you know I, I guess all this is to go around to as an answer to your original question i do think it's sort of being maybe unfairly burdened with the moment in which it's coming out
2: I would add to all those thoughts with also, I think it suffers because we are after Mandalorian and after the last of us and all these other lone wolf and cub narratives that, you know, are inspired by literally the same thing, but got here much sooner. And I think the story grates on us a little bit because we've had so much of this lately. Um, And, maybe it's all Pedro Pascal's fault. That kind of sounds like who I'm blaming, but uh, you know, uh, the storytellers who are are saying this stuff or, or creating this stuff. Um, so I think that's why it will never feel truly original despite like, you know, it, it used to be enough to take something. I mean, what is star Wars, but hidden fortress and <laughs> it turned into space and you would think, Oh, I'm going to tell this story and put it in an AI kind of world I've made up. And it, should be feel a little more original but i think the kind of basic premise is just too familiar at this point and and in the nerd circles on top of that right like we can all be excited for original sci-fi but it's like oh if we've been consuming these things i'm saying this as if i've watched the last of us uh uh last of us yeah i didn't watch that show uh, so uh what but it's like it's just that good show good game <laughs> so we maybe need some fresh stories to rip off for a cycle right we need to alternate between things but i think that's working against it it feeling really original
0: and i'm trying to think like i'm like let's let's do the work sort of like what greg was doing earlier like let's try to mine it for like what the originality could be and the thing i keep coming back to is this idea of war fought over ai i feel like we haven't really gotten as much so like yeah the idea of you know my my Letterboxd review was a joke, but but the idea of platoon but make it robots, right? That that to me is the one thing in here that does feel fresh. And so like when I think of this movie as a war movie that uses AI as the impetus for that war, I think I it 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 sits as a lot more original than once you start thinking about it as a film about AI, then it becomes all the or you know then then there are all these other sort of touchstones that it, or or a movie about a hero who bonds with a child right the lone wolf like so so that's i guess that's what i would say i would leave it as like if if you are in the mindset of like this is world war th- this is contemplating world war 3 if ai you know evolves and continues from where it is today uh and that that it would sort of like divide the world in the way that it does in this movie um that to me seems kind of interesting and then it's like the fact that it's kind of shot And this goes back to your both of your comments about the Rogue One comparisons, like the fact that it is shot like we get these like the and some of the best scenes are the ones where it's cutting back and forth between the different sort of military Mm. entities and parties. Right. And like the fact that they both in the in the flashback where they're coming out of the water. But I'm also thinking of the and this is probably the second second one that Greg saw, but like where the they're kind of trying to infiltrate the lab. Right. Like yes, it's horrifying, and we we don't we don't identify with them. They're very much the bad guys in that scene, but I feel like just like the the tact the like the tactical sort of urgency of it, and like the fact that they're kind of trying to work together to get this done, and like and that it's hor- horrific, and and then once they get to Alfie, then it's like turns into this whole <laughs> thing, <laughs> basically I guess. Um, so- but even like Alice and Janney being like. Rough day at the office when the other guy when she meets (laughs) up with the other guy and they both got caught in the the police van like that to me is where this when this movie is at its best because when it's like a like a gritty war film Um, so so
2: my pitch based on what you said lean harder into Vietnam by making the two kinds of AI different factions fighting each other and humans have to decide are we going to fight alongside the kind of robot looking ones or the human simulants, and that way like oh we don't mind killing robots but now these robots look like us becomes a little more pressing or if maybe those are the enemy robots the next evolution that they didn't allow. Um, I don't want to lose the the facility that that base, very cool story from Gareth Edwards. That is an actual particle collider, and it hadn't opened yet. And they went there and found it in, I believe, Whoa. Thailand and asked if they could shoot in it. And they were like, well, what are you shooting? And then he's like, well, we'll do like limited explosions and just a little gunfire. And they're like, oh, uh, this doesn't sound so good. And so the studio said, you should really trust this guy. He's going to have a meeting with you. He's he's the director of a Star Wars movie. And the scientists were like, which Star Wars movie and when they said Rogue One, <laughs> the scientists said, "You can take over our facility and shoot here, as long as we get to be the extras." And so, almost all the scientists you see in wow. there are actual Thai scientists, or or whichever country it was in. Uh, apologies for forgetting. Uh, but I just love that it was like Rogue One well, was cool of- enough to get in. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we keep keep saying Vietnam War and I think that's still very much true. Like, you know, uh, especially when they're like in villages and stuff like that. But the most from what I could tell anytime they're speaking an Asian language, Mm. it's Thai. So, um, and I know that as someone who doesn't actually speak Thai, but grew up listening to a lot of it. And so I can recognize the sounds of it as compared to like Vietnamese or something like that. So, so that I thought was weird too. I was like, wait a minute. Like, is this a, pan southeast asian mm. move like what is the i'm like i'm reading too much
1: into it it's just because they probably be filmed it <laughs> <up> there <laughs> well I, w- w- the one thing i'll add which i think is a, an important sort of addendum and maybe adds into sort of greg's pitch for fixing it is the the originality of making a a war film and it's not like these aren't like world war ii films you know like which is the sort of star wars mold uh it is the sort of America's the mm. bad guy. America's mm. the aggressor in the in Vietnam war movies, you know, the, at least the the ones made after the late 70s. Uh, you know, it, it is about like American imperialism and the problems contained uh, therein and I think that the degree to which it extends into war on terror uh imagery as well uh, includes that and I so I think that's something that's interesting, you know, again, the sort of an elevator pitch of what if it's the it's the Terminator war but it turns out that the robots aren't actually trying to fight there it's just the humans that are trying to conquer them in a a classic american imperialist way that's i think the undercurrent that they're going for Mm. that is the most interesting but again maybe doesn't fully doesn't fully come to fruition but i think looking at it from that perspective makes it potentially interesting I do want to see Greg's version of it, though, where it's robot versus robot. I think you just pitched the sequel to this movie. I don't know. (laughs) Even though I deeply appreciated that the movie uh, didn't end with a clear Mm. sequel setup. I did think for a minute it was going to. um, But instead it was like, no, this had an ending and, you know, the story will continue, but it doesn't feel like come back in two years and you'll see the next.
0: Right. Alfie will return.
1: Right. In, dot, dot,
0: dot. <laughs> in the creator too. Um, all right. Uh this will probably be pretty short and I know we want to wrap up. So Oscar's watch, does this have any prospects at all? I sort of had flagged VFX, maybe cinematography just because Greg Fraser's won before and there's no
1: Dune. I think VFX for sure. Uh I think that like there is a hole there. Uh we were talking about it in our preview episode where, where I think I was like Dungeons and Dragons, which I would love. For that to get nominated for visual effects but i don't think it's you know likely whereas i think the fact this was such a small budget as greg was saying it, it has this real sort of ilm stamp of approval they're mm-hmm. so proud of it uh that i think it it could get the energy momentum to come out of the nomination field to to make it to the the Yeah, there's a
0: narrative like- there right there's a narrative of like look what you can do on such a small budget yeah and I already saw I saw an article of Gareth Edwards being like, the internet has so much mis- misinformation about how I shot this movie. <laughs> I think that was in Hollywood Reporter today. Uh, the Go way he it.
2: explained it in person was the way he got the budget down was an extremely small crew going to real locations to kind of guerrilla shoot like a quick few scenes and then just paint everything sci-fi on top of the real plate. Like, don't bother doing everything crazy on set, don't bother going to the volume. I think he said he had to do a little pickup in the volume here and there, but it was like let's just go get the real tactical feel of being there. the The beach in Thailand where the raid is, uh, he said um, they couldn't get the right kind of permits, so they could shoot there but they couldn't close the beach so he's like if you panned away from that firefight at the end of the the prologue there's just like drunk people hanging out partying (laughs) dancing in a club and just like literally like 30 feet away so um so yeah i i do think that's the one i would say it's got a chance at it it feels just prestige enough that they want to offer it to this instead of a muddy looking marvel movie or you know the flash obviously has been made fun of for its visual effects. There's it is a, it is a light category. Um, a lot of the blockbusters have light visual effects. So hopefully, hopefully yeah. it might get a shot there. And I'd I'd like that. I'd like this to be on the list of things people have to watch. If they're watching all the movies.
0: All right. Any final thoughts? I think before we wrap up, wrap
3: up,
1: I just feel like we've spent so much time talking about the problems. It is worth reiterating here at the end. How much fun there is to have been had in this movie, and how you know it the 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 taking in of this world was very enjoyable uh and and I think there's there's it's easy to sort of focus on what could have been done better what are what are some of the flaws but i yeah i mean we we recommended it back in in the recommendation section, but I just want to reiterate there's a
2: lot of positives here to that point I went. We can't help That's being true. Teachers. That's true. Uh I went with my friend Ben. He <laughs> and I both uh we got together we went Friday night, we got together Saturday night too. Uh, and we told the crowd we both intended to go back. And I do. I'd like to see it one more time on the big screen and just kind of take it all in and process some of these details that we talked about tonight. So yes, lest anybody think I have soured on it from the conversation. It is a fun time and well worth seeing.
0: Yeah, and just the fact that we don't often get movies like this, and I think that's something that I've seen a lot in reviews of like, I think David Chen's review did a little bit of bait and switch because his overall reaction, so his version of the short take was like, this is incredible, this reminds me of what it was like. To fall in love with with movies to begin with, right? Like Blade Runner, this is going to become blah blah blah, right? He had this like really bold statement about how wonderful this movie was, and then if you actually go and read his review, he's saying a lot of the things that we're saying of like, well, the screenplay is not great, and like, you know, some of the stuff doesn't make sense. But 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 his thing was like, at the end of the day, it's worth pushing this movie because I'd much rather have something like this than like another flash yeah. basically i don't think he says calls out the flash specifically though that's on would be on, i think he would agree with me um uh, like <laughs> based on how he reviewed the flash uh but but yeah i think it's it's just so nice to have to have more of this type of sci- sci-fi in film i think we've it's been a little bit yeah. mi- a little while um and we can't just keep talking about Dune all the time so it's nice to have something else <laughs>
2: Well, if it doesn't come out like, what do we do it <laughs> the trailer was still attached to this i'm uh, like guys like <laughs> oh
3: yeah.
2: really we, oh i didn't we, have it in mind
0: oh because you're amc i always go to Regal, we had Regal. double
2: Shaloman. So we, we had, had this trailers, and so wonka that's a hard uh combo to, oh, wow. to process Oof. before this movie
0: <laughs> all right well this was great i hopefully people go see this despite us picking it apart um Though we did most of the picking the part in the spoiler section. Greg, where can people find you
2: and all the great work? Uh, First of all, always a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this all week, really, since we hung up last time. I was like, ah, we get to go see a new cool movie and then we get to talk about it. So uh, much appreciated that we got to do that. Uh, This week, I'm just going to plug my letterbox. I'm at Obi-Wan Cass on Letterboxd. My favorite social media platform is Letterboxd, uh, but it's also the least social of the social media. So I think, I think the burden is on all of us who love it to, to keep uh, liking each other's reviews and following each other and, and, you know, trying to make it a little more interactive because it's a great service, but shouldn't just be for tracking data. So get on Letterboxd. If you're listening to this and haven't done Letterboxd, absolutely join Letterboxd and have a good time.
0: You and Sean Fennessy, the Lords of Letterboxd. Uh, <laughs> all right. And PT, where can folks find uh follow and find the Long Take Review?
1: Uh they can follow us on Instagram and on threads at the Long Take Review. Uh, and if they want to communicate with us outside of a social media box, uh, they can email us at the Review at gmail.com.
0: And you can find me at Subchakchai S O P C H O C K C H A I on Instagram and Threads and letter. My letterbox is Qui Gon so a great a great pairing <laughs> <laughs> with with Greg's. Um, and I often use. I, I feel like I'm still using Letterbox more as my own personal tracking system as opposed to a social media platform. And so I need to get on that. What's the well, yeah? What are the secrets? We may that can be mm. another podcast. How to use Letterbox? Uh.
1: <laughs> An insert special
2: on yeah. using
1: Letterbox. Greg teaches us Letterbox. <laughs> All, All right, enough. so go to the that app store, really download. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, that's a wrap. Thanks, everybody.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.